Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Forging Brains Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Kirkpatrick, with my co-host, Gavin Cooper. Today, we got a pretty cool guest, uh, Travis Smith. Travis is farrier out of... You're out of Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, Pennsylvania. Yeah, out of Pennsylvania. Uh, he's been on the team multiple times, and now he is the team manager. Travis is a guy that you probably have seen around in a bunch of contests and conventions and the team trials. So pretty excited to have Travis here with us today. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. So how, how have things been over there? Good. Um, you know, it's getting springtime, busy time. So uh, everybody's getting out, getting ready to ride. So uh it's a nice time of year to be working too. Weather's nice. So yeah, absolutely. Things are good. Do you ride yourself, or you said you were taking a, your daughter to a lesson or something, right? Yeah, um, my wife and both my daughters ride. So um, they do no, dressage. I don't really or... ride at all. What's that? Yeah. Do they do dressage? Uh, they have been taking some dressage lessons right now. Um, they all kind of show jumpers. The youngest one's six, so uh, it's kind of hard to find her jumping classes around here. They have some puddle jumper classes, but she rides in the hunters. So Okay. Did you grow up around horses then? Uh, no. I mean, I, yeah, we had like the occasional pony, and uh, if I went to my, my grandmother and grandpa's house, like they lived on a farm, had a bunch of horses, but I just rode... Like casually here and there, I'd get on a horse, but no, I didn't grow up with a huge horse influence when I was younger. Did you grow up in like out of town, or did you grow up yeah. in town? No, grew up on like ten and a half acre little farm. Just had a few nice. animals, and you know, um, out at the base of the mountains. So we went to the game lands a lot, stuff like that. Yeah. A lot of hunting. Yeah, a lot of hunting, fishing, stuff like that. Yeah. What got you into, like, horses then? Well, I always liked animals. I've always been around them, you know. Um, I didn't have a huge horse influence, but, uh, you know, my family, uh, my uncles and stuff, they, they had a lot of horse. horse uh, they did horse pulls, uh, barrel racing, flag pole bending, stuff like that. So uh, I'd just been around a little bit here and there. And then when I got back... Uh, I was getting out of the Marine Corps, and I was at a farm just mucking stalls and turning horses out, just trying to pass the time for a little bit. And uh, the ferry that came okay. in there, he was a, a Marine back in Vietnam. And so kind of befriended me, and um, I started going with him, holding horses, uh, just uh, whatever he needed help with, and uh, help him when he came to the farm. And so I uh, just kind of went off from there. Did you go into the Marine Corps right when you were 18? Yeah. I, uh, yep, I left like six days after graduating high school. Oh, wow. No way. Is that, like, so when you were growing up, is that what you wanted to do? Was like, well, at least towards the end of high school, you just wanted to go into the service? Um, I didn't really have a plan. Like, I just always liked that stuff. Uh, you know, we were always in the woods playing around. When we were kids and stuff, and uh, I actually uh, was at a crossroads. Like uh, I did a lot of wrestling, and uh, um, yeah. I kind of had opportunities to go go on with that into college. And um, 
I don't know. Uh, my cousin had come home from boot camp from the Marine Corps, and uh, he was just talking to me about the Marine Corps. I really didn't have a vast knowledge of military. Like, I just, I, I knew we had, like, different branches. And uh, my brother had just left, and he went to the Army. And so my my cousin came home. He was in the Marine Corps. He was like, you ought to think about doing the Marine Corps. And I was like, yeah, all right, that sounds pretty good. So I went and... <laughs> took some tests and they said yeah you could do this and um so i signed up i signed up right after my junior year of high school so i knew what i was gonna do uh right going into my senior there. year yeah so my senior year was a lot of fun because i was like well i'm out of here so whatever yeah just basically showed <laughs> up so i could wrestle so. and <laughs> <laughs> yeah i go you know we'd skip school go hunting fishing whatever and uh yeah, because yeah, you knew you were going to have to try to get into college or something. Yeah, I th- it was all yeah, it was all done. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, was it your grandpa or dad? Were they in the military at all either? Uh, no, my dad wasn't. Uh, I had an uncle that had done some time. Really, it was uh, the the people that I knew where my brother went to the Army and my cousin went to the Marine Corps. So uh, those are the ones. Okay. In, uh, so, and, and like I said, I didn't really know, well, I mean, I was like, yeah, I want to be, you know, I want to go into the, and be infantry. And my parents were like, oh, no, no, no. Because they had to sign my papers because <laughs> I was 17. So, uh, uh, yeah. and I, you know, I'd taken uh, like college prep courses and stuff in high school. I had good grades. And so my parents were like, well, we won't sign unless you pick something relatively responsible so uh uh i ended up uh the recruiter that i had he was in uh avionics in the marine corps so he worked on you know uh he was actually a Huey and cobra guy too and i just fortunately you don't really get to pick the platform you're going to be in so i signed up for avionics um passed that school and when i was in uh, pensacola they assigned you a platform and i got hueys and cobras so and i got west coast which was actually everything opposite of what I asked for. So I asked for F-18s and I asked for East Coast and they were like, no. So they sent me out to Camp Pendleton and uh, that's where I did. Well, that's where I was stationed out of the whole time. Um, we would go overseas, but uh, yeah, we went, we traveled a lot. My unit was pretty cool. That, that's the great thing that I got is I got to travel everywhere and uh I had a good time doing that. And I, I started out avionics, and then while I was in the avionics program, I picked up qualifications pretty quick, and they were like, well, it would be kind of nice. Most of the aircrew guys are mechanics, typically, and uh, they don't have a vast knowledge of the avionics systems. So they were like, it would be kind of nice if we had a guy that could uh, do the avionics systems in case we have a problem when we're out flying around. So they took three of us, put us in a program to become aircrew. Um, I was the only guy that made it out of that. Uh, you had to pass a bunch of tests, swim quals, stuff like that. So, a bunch of written tests. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough. I got I passed all those and uh, became air crew. And then uh, I became air crew, and then the Iraq War kicked off. So, um, they I ended up on a combat crew just because I was avionics. And turns out I was pretty handy was shooting a 50 cal off the side of a helicopter i don't know where that came from but Holy shit. Um, 
all that, yeah, all that time so. in the woods as a kid. <laughs> I, I guess, man. I don't know that we we went out to this place uh, out in the desert, and you could shoot moving targets. They pull a they pull a target behind a, a full size dune buggy, and they have a little guy in a tower with a remote control, and he's moving that thing around, and you got to come flying in and you know give that target some and. Yeah, it turns wow. out I could do it. So they were like, "Well, that's Andy." <laughs> so they, uh, it's, yeah, a, they, it's all that time shooting those Red Riders when you were. A kid I guess, eating, yeah, Red Riders like, and can, yeah, <laughs> plastic I <can> guns. One. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I <can> yeah. One. <laughs> so that's insane. Yeah. So then, uh, yeah, the Iraq War kicked off, and uh, I was meant to get out. Uh, actually I was, you know, I was on that teetering point of re-enlisting or getting out and, uh, they had this thing called stop loss they put in place. Mm. So no one could get out and they only allocate so many spots in an MOS or a job. And so with nobody being able to get out and they have people already signed up and coming in, um, the allocations are full. So I couldn't re-enlist for my occupation. Any of my MOSs, I had two of them. And, um, so my, my plan was to go home and uh take a little do a little r and r after that and uh, they lifted the stop loss i had a bunch of leave saved up uh you know it's a vacation time so they sent me home and uh i thought well i'll just take these couple months and uh try to regroup do raise a little cane back out. home and uh yeah and uh, i ended up breaking my leg so then they were like well uh i i kind of was like well and try something else so that's how i ended up mucking stalls and doing all that kind of stuff what uh do you, do you want to talk about how you broke your leg yeah i was just about that uh dirt bike so <laughs> i used Been to ride there. a lot of dirt bikes yeah. <laughs> i used to ride a lot there. of dirt bikes and so uh yeah it was the stupidest little wreck and uh yeah broke my leg so shit <laughs> yeah so they you had you had medical dispatch then well, no, I mean, because I didn't do it. I didn't do it with the military. You know, I just, oh. I would have had to reenlist once the allocations came up. So as they saw it, I was already, I was into my, uh, everybody signs up, but you have like two years of inactive service. So I was kind of in that period when I did it. And, uh, yeah, so I, I didn't attempt to go back or anything. I had a lot of healing to do with that. And, uh, I just kind of was going to move on. So I did. And, yeah. That's when you kind of started going to, you. It's when you started working at that barn then. Yeah, I was working at that barn. I thought I thought I would go to college. Uh, still, I was kind of a little too immature to, to focus on studying. So uh, it probably worked out better that I never went. And so were you about money. 22 years old at this point? I got I, I had a five year enlistment, so I did a little over five years with the stop loss and everything. So I was 23. 23. Okay. Yeah, I was. Yeah. So. Yeah, because you would get your schooling paid for then, huh? Yeah, it would have been pretty much paid for. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a good deal, at least. Yeah. So you never you never used it then? I used uh, they at the time I could use. I ended up uh, I tried to get a job. Uh, the the guy that helped me and was and was encouraging me to to go about this occupation. Um, he didn't really take helpers on. He did a lot of breeding farms and a lot of yearlings, uh, a lot of, okay. you know, kind of rough work. So he was like, oh, you don't, you don't want to do this. Well, like, I, yeah, I was a little bit naive. I just didn't know. But like the first time I went with him, he trimmed these two yearlings and I was like, this is like a sport. Damn. He was like, 
you know, them things are all over the place. He's getting slung on the ground. I was like, sport, <laughs> put me in, like, like, give me a shot. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know any better. You know, like, this and, is uh, right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So he was like, no, no, don't, don't be a moron, you know? And he's like, you, you should go work for these guys that shoot these show horses. And that's where you can make money and do like, uh, you know, work on horses that stand and stuff and yeah. i was like, like oh no i didn't i, I didn't know that was an option I <laughs> yeah i was like i was taking my mouthpiece out i was like oh okay yeah, right. yeah. yeah let's do that you know i didn't know any better i was just stupid so um yeah so uh it is kind of said, funny though a lot of people get that interpretation like Oh, you're a horseshoer. Yeah. You wrestle with horses and stuff all the time. It's like, no, I prefer to work on the ones that stand well. You know, like yeah, people that well, don't necessarily a... know, they think about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, you know? I, I didn't know. <laughs> but that that was like one of my biggest draws into horseshoe. When I first saw it, it was like it was a fight and a wrestling match. I was like, yeah. this is great. Yeah, this is, like... this is high intensity. I like this. <laughs> I, I was so stupid. I thought you could win that fight. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You win yeah. some, you lose some. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with the horse, man, they always win. It's like, man. But, yeah, so he, he encouraged me to go with this other fellow. But I, I met him. Um, at a, He met me at a Cracker Barrel. I remember that. And uh, I had to go in and meet him. And he basically met me to tell me that he couldn't take me on because he already hired a guy that didn't know anything. And uh, he said he said it would be too hard to like try to juggle the way his business was to juggle two guys that didn't know anything yeah. and pay them and stuff. So, so I went back to the horse farm and uh, Dennis Dowd. That's the guy that was coming to that farm and helping me. And uh, I had went and I saved. Up. I was still getting paid because I was on terminal leave. So I went down to the ferry supply. And bought an anvil and a stand and ha and you know these these tools and hey guys do you like that christmas morning feel of opening up a box not knowing what's inside feeling all sorts of excitement to find out what's inside well let me tell you you can feel that excitement every other month with a subscription to farrier box most farriers want to be competitive whether it's attracting top-notch clients or winning contests they take the tools and tricks of the trade used by today's top farriers and ship them to you so you have what you need to take your career to the next level. Go to farrierbox.com to start your subscription and use code BRAINS for 25% off your first month's box. I repeat, use code BRAINS for 25% off your first order. I know I like receiving packages but I like it even more when it's a surprise, but also knowing I'm getting cool tools and tricks from Farrier Box. There's nothing out there like it in today's world of farriery, so you might as well go and level up with Farrier Box. Go to www.farrierbox.com and use code BRAINS for 25% off your first month's order. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the podcast. I had my uh, metal handled bloom fuller and everything. And I was trying to make horseshoes and I was, he gave me a bunch of fair journals, magazines, and I was just going through those. And then, uh, I had these, uh, loose shoe magazines, the old magazines. And yeah, uh, yeah. a couple of them would have these, like how to make a shoe. Really? So I, I just tried to do that stuff. And I saw that there was a fair team in the American fairs journal. And I was like, 
Well, I'll be damned. You can do some sport out of this. Like, that's yeah. interesting. So, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, so, so you had tried... At this point, you'd already probably trimmed some horses with the guy? No. No, I just was holding horses. I was just like... Really? Well, you so you had tried making on. a shoe. You tried yeah. making one before you'd ever... Yeah, I didn't know. I just saw them in the magazines, and I had like a how-to, so I was like, oh, you just do that. You're like, I ain't got nothing else to do today. I got all these tools. Yeah, I was like, yeah, look at this. So, yeah. So I just beat the hell out of everything. Well, I bought a, I remember, I bought an NC, uh, I don't remember what it's called, a big face or something, anvil. That's what I was going to ask you. Is like, what anvil did you buy? Like The cheapest one they had. Yeah, like, <laughs> this flat horn thing. So yeah. I brought it home, and the guy was like, oh, no, uh-uh. <laughs> that should be round, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> I had to like, take it back. I got it, it now. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I took it back. I was like, I bought the wrong thing. I'm, you know, and They were real nice about it. They were like, no problem. You oh, probably won't cool. want these or whatever. And I ended up walking out of there with, I think you, it was an You Emerson. know they were so bummed out. They are like, fuck, we thought we were finally rid of that thing. <laughs> yeah. It's been sitting here yeah. for years. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> like, yeah, it bet. left and it came back to haunt us again. <laughs> this guy brought it back yeah. into our world. <laughs> Like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then, uh, so I told Denny the story. I was like, yeah, Mike said, I, you know, he couldn't take me on right now. And uh, he said, well, maybe call him and ask him if he knew something, if he'd take you on. So I, I called him back and said, hey, if I if I knew something, would you hire me? And he was like, well, yeah. So Denny said, well, there's horseshoeing schools. And, uh, you know, he helped, helped me. uh he didn't know a lot about them or, or where to go, but he just said, you know, I hear people talk about this one in Kentucky. Maybe check that out. So I called them, and they said they took the GI Bill. Well, the way the GI Bill works, they, it would pay, like, part of the tuition or whatever. So that's where I went. I went to Kentucky Horseshoe School, and then... Uh, what year was that? Uh, that would have been 2004. Okay. Who was yeah, the yeah. teacher there? Yeah, I was trying to remember it. Uh, you know, I, I, it's terrible. I can't remember their last names. There was a guy named Darren. He was from England. And another guy named Paul. And he was from Ireland. And then uh, a young kid named Whitney. Um, hmm. Who had just graduated to school, you know, a couple months prior. And, uh, yeah, he, he was, was ready to teach. He was. He was... He was, he was like 18, he was in the National Guard, and he was talking to me about it, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're the same. Yeah. We're basically the same guy, yeah. <laughs> Brothers from a different mother, man. We just got separated at birth. <laughs> I was just, yeah, and at that time I was wrapped a little tight, you know, I didn't really talk much, and there were some guys in my class, so I, I got to meet like guys like Chris Overly. And Brian Osborne, they were at classes ahead of me, but I didn't really know them, but I, I, I met them, you know, or pass them or whatever. And mm -hmm. uh, that was my first interaction with those guys. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You got to meet guys like that, like that. Yeah. They were really going on. to school at the same time you were going. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, when we look back at it. That's because you and Brian are still pretty good friends today, huh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, he has that marine background. I'm a marine, so yeah, we always we kind of draw together about that. Yeah. Hmm. 
No, that's great. So did you? So did the guy take you on after you got out of Kentucky? Uh, uh, he called me while I was there. Uh, he was going to Florida, um, like uh, where he was going to like that Wellington and stuff, all that to uh, follow his horses. And while he was down there, there was a, a, a you know a guy that he knew for sure, and uh, he called me. I had I had signed up the big class back then was three months. Um, so I had signed up for the three month course and I was about two months into it and he called me and said, there's a guy down here that, uh, his, his guy's been with him for a little over five years and he's leaving. If you're interested in working for him, he said, it'd be a great opportunity. You get to go all over and shoe horses. Yeah. So, um, you know, while you're at shooting school, you don't make any money. I was just bleeding money. So. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh yeah. I was like, so he's gonna pay me? And they were like, yeah. I was like, okay, where do I have to be? And then yeah. he was, you know. So I just met the guy, and then I I just started working for him. So I left school early uh, to go work for this. For another oh, so guy. you didn't necessarily and graduate then? I didn't graduate. I never got a diploma. I bring that up to Mitch every time I see him. Yeah. <laughs> Give me my Still diploma. Want that, piece of, want that piece of paper? Yeah. 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 Hang up in your office. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, you No, but you probably, like, a little bit better opportunity to go get some real-life opportunity yeah. with a guy compared yeah. to just staying in school and also making zero money. It was, it was real eye-opening. Like, I had, you know... I didn't have a huge horse background anyway, and I thought like 800 bucks was a lot for a horse, you know, and then I went to work for this guy, and we're working for people that are riding in the Olympics and stuff, and they're like million-dollar horses or what, whatever they were paying for them, but it was just going into these farms, like you had to hit a keypad and the gate would open and stuff. <laughs> I was like, what on earth? So, <laughs> yeah, and we're... <laughs> You know, you didn't want to spit on the mats. It was wild. And, you know, it was real eye-opening. It was a great experience just to go see all that and uh, work well, for I that bet guy. That, like, before that point, were you thinking there was a lot of money in this trade at all? No, I didn't know. I just I just knew that it would be work, you know, and it would be good work and honest work, and I could just make a living. And, like, Denny, uh, like, he didn't shoe horses like that or nothing like that, but he, he made a great living. It was, like happy and doing fine had so a i just decent thought, truck and yeah he was doing yeah, good. He was, yeah doing good and he had you know four kids and you know it, it was just i thought the american dream you could just yeah you could just you know live in your little town and, and shoe horses and I, I was perfectly happy with that thought and then yeah uh, i didn't i didn't know any different and so i went and saw that and i was just like what on earth like these people like you know the barns and they got grooms and there's there's people caring for the horses and this guy just walks in and all of a sudden everybody's like here's a horse and they're tacking it up and he just crawls on and rides off i was like this is unreal and uh <laughs> you know and you know working for dean and and just uh uh being exposed to that kind of stuff it was just really eye-opening and really neat i thought uh you know this is one of the coolest experiences so you'd say I, it's pretty important for somebody to get out of shoeing school and go ride with somebody and get that experience versus like trying to just jump out and trying to set up business on your own then oh yeah 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 yep. i yeah 100 percent. i mean that's really what I, I went to school just thinking i was going to learn enough that that guy would hire me 
So, um, that's a good one way yeah. going into school though. It's not thinking like a lot of people are going into school thinking they're I'm ready to get out and have a business. Like, Oh yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to start making a living after this. Yeah. That's not I a great I thought so plan. myself. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to get out of here and start making money, yeah. but <laughs> right. Kind of go a different route. Out. Yeah. <laughs> did you get, did you get way into making shoes while you're in school? Oh yeah. While I was in school, that's like, yeah, that's where I wanted to be. It was in the forge. And, uh, so the loose I'm, shoe magazine helped out. Yeah. Paid off, <laughs> man. I wish it was still going. <laughs> yeah. I be, I made friends with a fella in there. Um, he was a lot older than me, um, which was amazing that he, you know, he come to shoe school. I think he, I don't remember exactly now, but I want to say he was 40 or 40 couple and he was at shoe school and, uh, he still to this day has a good shoeing business and now he, both his boys shoe they live down in florida like st augustine area and mm-hmm. uh you know that guy was another he was just super to be around and uh him and i would get in the forge and you know do that and he's i don't know about the other guys but i know he's still shoeing so him and i are still shoeing out of our class as far as i know nice. and, uh, yeah that's, that's so, pretty it's surprising how rare that is of like I think there is only one guy out of my class when yeah. from shoeing school that's still shoeing horses at all. Yeah. Like a lot of people just get, I don't think they make it past that, that two or three year mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I could see that. Well, a lot of, yeah, I think most of the guys went out thinking they were going to go shoe on their own. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was fortunate and got to work for a, like a lot of guys. I think, I worked for like six years for other people before I even went out on my own. So no, I don't think that's a bad way to go about it at all. Did were you guys forging a lot when you went to Florida? No, so uh, that was one of the reasons I stopped working for the guy. Um, we we worked a lot. There was there was a lot of things, and like uh, I was a little older, so I had things going on in my life, and I couldn't. You know we we'd get in the truck and uh there's nothing wrong with it it just wasn't working with my lifestyle but like he we get in the truck and we might be gone 14 days we you know you'd drive to buffalo new york and you hit long island then you'd be back down to middleburg virginia and then he lived out in nottingham which is by philadelphia and then i lived out you know two hours from that and then you might get in the truck and drive to chicago and then you got to be back in middleburg and then you got to get out to long island and you know it was like it, it was pretty intense so um that is that's the way he lived his summers and then you know all those people in the winter would go to florida for him so then he's just he's right there but so from state to state are you guys like staying in hotels each night or yeah you'd stay in a hotel or or yeah or you just drive you know there was many times i can remember getting done in in middleburg virginia and we drive to buffalo new york and we just drive it straight through and you might sleep in the parking lot at the barn and then get up and start shooing. So no he was pretty way. he was pretty intense, yeah. Which was which was fine for me at the time cuz yeah. I was just like, yeah, I was that was fine. Yeah, <laughs> like, but I mean, to think sleeping, like how old was the track. guy you were riding with? Well, he would have probably been 40s, 50s. Yeah, he probably would have been I don't know exactly. He probably would have been close 50. Gosh, you know, how does he do that? That's a crazy yeah, lifestyle. He was intense, man. It was wild. <laughs> I'm like, I'm 33. I couldn't do it. 
One thing I, I can tell you right one, now, I'm too big of a bitch. <laughs> like that would be hard. That's true. When I look back on that, yeah, I don't think I could do that now anymore. No. Yeah. But yeah, he, well, one rule he had is he drove everywhere because he'd get like car sick if he wasn't driving. So he said, yeah. but he would drive everywhere, and uh, you weren't allowed to sleep if he was driving. So that was one thing. You, you had, had to, to stay, stay awake because you got to keep him awake. And yeah, if he wanted <laughs> to talk to you or whatever. Goodness. Yeah, but after being in the car that long, you're going to run out of shit to talk about. Oh, you would. But he just, it doesn't matter. You couldn't sleep. <laughs> it don't matter. It's like, it doesn't matter if we're talking or <laughs> not. Yeah. You just sit you there. You yeah. <laughs> Move every once and in a while. And this is kind of before, like, <laughs> smartphones and shit, so you didn't really get to, like, scroll Facebook yep. or something. Like, no. I was going to say, no podcast to listen no. to on the way. Like, yep, this CD's time. Yeah. He oh, that would music. be rough. Yeah. Music. And I imagine at this time you're like, man, the hunting season would be great. Like anything, you're yeah. Infringing yeah. Any other, <laughs> yeah, you're like, you just go, 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 yeah. And so, and it's I always wonder about guys like that. Do you think like, do you think he just liked to work that much and he didn't want to go home, or did he just have that many bills that he just had to be shoeing that many horses? No, I don't. I don't think he had a bill problem. I really do think that he just liked it. Like that was his, that's his thing. He really he liked to work. He was just all into it. And boy, he really, and he really cared about like the horses he was working on. He wanted them to do good. He wanted them. He didn't want to let anybody down. So like, yeah. you know, you were showing those horses at every four weeks and hell or high water. We're getting there. Yeah. I remember we took a ferry across from like Connecticut out to Long Island and like we got the shoeing rig and the, he had a shoeing trailer, a big old thing from Stonewell and we're getting it on the ferry and like the weather's bad. And I was like, I don't know, man, this don't look the greatest. And he's like, it's fine. It's fine. You know, like, this, is, this is coming from a guy that rode around a helicopter. Yeah, you're yeah. shooting a 50 cal. Yeah, we, you're got, like, we, got, we got in a storm in the South China Sea and I was like, this looks a lot like that. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't know. And this is a ferry. This isn't like, yeah. This ain't no naval but, ship. <laughs> but we made it. We made it across. Like, yeah. And uh, oh, we hit the is... other side just getting the truck. We're driving, you know. <laughs> yep. Nothing was slowing him down. Did nah, he have a family? He's... Or was he single? Uh, he, was divor- he was divorced. That's shocking, I know. Okay. But, uh, he, <laughs> he was divorced, and uh, which I think added to some of it, like why he liked being out there shooing and stuff. Like there wasn't a lot. His kids were older, out of the mm. house, so yeah. you know he he had a beautiful farm, beautiful place, and uh, yeah. But I di- I did that for a bit, and then I went. I did end up finally going back and working for the original guy that uh i was trying to get hired with after really him. he finally hired you yeah so i, I said that, I did can't... he did you guys meet at a cracker barrel again and you were like i told you we'd be back here <laughs> we're, i don't know where we met after that but yeah he he did hire me and uh yeah it worked out worked for him for yeah a few years it's probably did nice he do to be more... home yeah he well he <laughs> He had uh, built his business up a little more, too, and we were back traveling. Now, it wasn't as intense. He only covered, like, a couple areas. He went to Connecticut, and then he would go out by Philly, so that was pretty nice. Like, you know, the Connecticut drive is about, you know, depending on traffic, four and a half, five hours. So That's still a good track, yeah. 
Yeah, I was like a chip shot after that other deal. So. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. You're like, no ocean? Okay, yeah. I'll go. <laughs> but you're still, like, you guys are still going home almost every night then, though, huh? We would go, yeah. So, like, the Connecticut runs, there's a couple barns up there. So, you might be away three, four days, you know, a little, a little stint like that, which isn't too bad. And then, uh, you know, the Philly trips, yeah, we'd either stay at a hotel depending on the amount of horses we had to get done or we'd, we'd trek back and forth. Yeah. And did that guy do more foraging? Yeah, well, it, not at that time. I mean, he wasn't too into the foraging. He was he was real serious about getting his horses done and, and keeping them up and stuff, you know. They're shoeing these horses. They're, they're, they're shoeing, like, uh, you know, pretty high-end horses that, that are competing a lot. They work a lot. So they, they, they're in that spot because they care a lot. You know, they take take pride in it and stuff so no they weren't forging a lot but like i can't remember we stayed in a hotel for the one barn in connecticut and he would uh i said uh you know can i forge he had a walk-in trailer i said can i forge in the mornings or in the evenings or something like that he's like well you know it's kind of in a residential area there's houses real close to the farm and everything and yeah he was like i wouldn't i wouldn't forge at night or real early but you know if you wanted to come over in the morning or whatever, so I would bring a, a, an extra 20 pound propane tank that I would leave in the trailer. And then I'd just get up real early, leave the hotel, get a coffee at, there's a Dunkin' Donuts right beside the hotel. So I'd get a coffee and walk over to the farm and then I'd, I'd try to make a pair of shoes or a shoe or whatever before, Getting before going. we started working. Yep. And did you have any clients of your own at this time? Uh, I think I had some trims and stuff. I might have had, you know, I might have had a couple that had shoes on or something, but not not really, not much because, uh, you know, I, I really only took on trims because I, I wasn't there to, like, if they needed me to go cover something or go fix something, I had to go, and I didn't want to leave people hanging back home. Yeah, no, that so. makes sense. Had you gone to any competitions at this point or had seen any? Oh, sorry, it froze. I didn't catch it. Have you gone to any competitions at that point or had seen any? Uh, trying to think when I went to my first one. Um, it would have been shortly after working for that guy. Then I went and uh, kind of worked. Uh, the first guy that I worked for, um, he had a guy named Justin Boyd that worked for him that was leaving. And then this uh, his friend Dan... Houseman had uh, Paul Tracy was leaving Dan Houseman around the same time. And so then I started working for those two guys intermittently. So I had a lot of time to myself and I was starting to get a few clients on my own. And that's when I went to my first contest. Uh, Mark Milster judged it and uh, he put out this shoe list and it was at the Pennsylvania. It was the Pennsylvania contest and he put out the shoe list and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. And I was all pumped and <laughs> I was going to do the do the intermediate and i'm trying to figure these shoes out and he had an aluminum shoe in there that had oh you know boy. uh borium nails for for the wear bar and stuff and man i was just racking my brain i got whoo i gotta do this you know and <laughs> and i show up to the contest and i'm the only guy in the intermediate class so i won that oh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> you automatically won <laughs> i won you yeah. didn't have to tell us that part you just tell yeah. us like yeah I won first it. one i went to i won <laughs> yeah. I, I won that I class i smoked it 
<laughs> like, well, Killed I still it. lost. <laughs> he DQ'd me. Yeah, first, <laughs> second, and third. I can remember Mark walking by while I was making a shoe, and he'd just go, you winning? You winning? <laughs> I'm like, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. But, yeah, I enjoyed You know, it was fun. I met a lot of guys. Um, there was this guy that, I remember for that contest, there was this guy that drove down from New York, and his name was Ben Mang, and then he was, like, over there making this roadster. And I was like, what the hell is that thing? Like, yeah, you put that on? Like, so... Yeah, it was pretty wild, you know, meet all these guys. And that was like, Ben was still trying to figure it out. I think, I don't know if that was his first open contest or whatever, but it was, yeah, you know, you meet all these guys along the road and then you come back and you're like, hey, I know you. You know, it's pretty wild. Yeah, you just kind of build a connection with people at that point. And then it just flourishes, you know. You can call on them and ask for help and one thing leads to another. Yep. So after you had your first taste of victory there on that first contest, <laughs> were you just were you all wound up ready for another one? Yeah, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I was like, you know, I just enjoyed it. I, I thought it was great. You know, the guys that were there were all pumped up, and uh, then uh, I can't remember the exact timeline, but uh, you know, I went to another one, and uh, I would have went to a. Uh, I can remember I met a couple guys and uh, they were like, hey, we're going out to this contest in Ohio. You want to go? And uh, it was MIFA contest. And I was like, yeah. So I just, they swung by my house. I threw my stuff in and off we went. And, you know, we went out to that contest. And, um, yeah, and then I went and I don't think I did marry many. And I went back and we did the Pennsylvania contest again. And then I get this flyer in the mail for this thing called the World Championship Blacksmiths. And they were going to have a super clinic in Houston. Oh. And, uh, I was like reading this thing and looking at it. And I was like, well, that seems like something I'd enjoy. So I would go to that. <laughs> but I didn't really know anybody. So I just. Booked, I booked a hotel, I got a plane ticket, and booked a car, and I show up there, and I'm just like, I'll be darned, you know, they had all these anvils set up, and bleachers, and people were running around there being, you know, just friendly, and it was a good time, and uh, I, I, uh, I, talk, I can't remember who I was talking to, but they were like, where are you from, and I said, Pennsylvania, and they're like, hey, these guys are from Pennsylvania. It was Reuben King and Alvy Byler and uh, Elmer Glick. And they were like, you rented a car? Hey, we're buddies. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Was right. and, uh, I got to meet all those guys and Phil Bauer. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's yeah, how it was it goes. a good time. Those are good dudes. Right yeah, real good dudes. That's awesome. And, uh, did yeah. you had you done any certified or anything yet at that point? Uh, yeah, I had my certified. Yep, the okay. CF. Yep, yep. I was certified, and then uh, yeah, I I just remember that was real. Uh, in like that whole super clinic was just really kind of a big impression on me. Yeah, kicked it off. Yeah. Well, you know, at that like, point, I was still like, like if I drew opener. a clip and it was halfway usable, I was just like, mm, you know, like, mm. <laughs> and uh, I can't remember. Well, going down there, they had a, they had like the last night, they had all these anvils set up, and you could get down and work with people. And uh, uh, 
uh, Bill Poor was standing there, and he's like, what do you want to work on? And I was like, clips. And so he just took shoe after shoe and put a clip on them. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that is really <laughs> impressive. Like, rim shoes and whatever. It didn't matter. St. Croix Vanner, he put a clip on it. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> so, give, me that beer, give me that beer can. Yeah, I was one. like, you signed my T-shirt. Like, that was like, <laughs> that's wild. So, <laughs> Yeah, and you know that just all that it was just pretty cool, you know. Um, That's the cool thing about Bill Poor, is yeah, you know, the last time we were there, whatever, a few years ago, we were asking for help, and he's like, "Go grab some steel, let's do it." And he's still oh, there. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, I, haven't, I haven't built an ag shoe in, I think he said, like, 12 years. Like, he just, like, cracks out, cracks out a sweet one. It's like, yeah, like, they're still better than mine. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, a handy dude. Yeah. So sure. how did you go to a WCB after that? Um, the 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 shoes were really over my head. Um, so the first year I didn't go to any of them. I just would get the shoeless and I would try to make, make some, make some, and try to try to make something that looks similar in some way and. Uh, you know, and I would go, you know, like, so, so I met, uh, Ruben and Elmer and, uh, and Phil Bauer and they would, uh, they'd invite me over and, uh, or they'd have hammer ins. So I started going to those, with those guys and, uh, it was really cool. And so that, that whole year I just spent my time trying to figure out how to make shoes. And then, uh, that would have been, I don't know. I, I went and went into the open i remember danny wards and i I won uh my first open contest at danny wards and uh it was pretty cool and i was in 08 and i was like well i guess i'll I'll try to do some of these wcbs and that's when i kind of started going to them and uh which it was an uphill battle that's when i met daniel jones (laughs) daniel jones oh uh, yeah oh yeah i'd I'd, you know because uh, when I started the category ones, you didn't get a striker, but you did in the two man. So that's where you could make up some ground. Cause then your striker could also rash your shoes, you know, back then. Yeah. So yeah. You try to find a ringer, you know, you'd be like, Hmm, <laughs> that's who what we've can heard. make my hunk of crap look like something. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that, you know, uh, I met Todd Walker that way. He, uh, he would strike for me some. And then, uh, then Daniel, I started getting Daniel a good bit, and he'd just holler at me, be like, "My gosh, you're slow! Holy cow! Like, are we gonna get done? You know?" And uh, just riding me the whole way through, which was uh, like I didn't mind it. It was it was good. It was, uh, you know, kind of. You're what probably kind of used to some of yeah, some of that though, like, through the military, right? Yeah, I didn't mind it at all. Daniel, <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Yeah, it was back in. Uh, we say military and growing up, growing up wrestling. Yeah, yeah like wrestling's yeah. not really the softest sport. Yeah, right, right. Especially, especially, especially in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, we take it a little serious like, out here. Yeah, Pennsylvania wrestling is as serious as Texas football. Yeah, you could say that. Yep. If people don't like, some people might not know that, but it's like Pennsylvania wrestling is taken very for real. Oh it's yeah, like wrestling in general. 
is not really easy. Like our wrestling coach would make us be like at least a month into the season before we could start doing any hazing because he <laughs> he was tired of losing so many like, so many people. like teammates. Like, he's like <laughs> we like lose half the team two weeks in because you guys beat the shit out of him. <laughs> like, no one wants to <laughs> come anymore. It's always a joke here too. Like uh, you know, someone will have a baby and it's a boy. You know, they always put him down on their backs or whatever, and they'll move a little bit. He's like, look at that. He's trying to get off his back. That's a wrestler. You know? <laughs> That's <something. laughs> Yeah. I never heard that one. That's pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Though it's like already you probably like saw this competition world. You're like, here's this thing that I can go into a dark dungeon of a room beat the yeah. shit out of myself till I don't feel good about myself anymore, but somehow walk out of there being like, all right, I did something today. Yeah. Yeah. Accomplished, yeah. Right? That's pretty much it. I just, yeah. I saw it as a challenge. I really wanted to, you know, do something like that. And, uh, yeah, it was been, do you good. think like seeing that ad for the American farriers team kind of like sparked an interest, like maybe that eventually you would want to get to that point. Oh Yeah. Or was that just kind of like a dream? No, I thought, I was like, oh, they got a team? Well, I, I would like to learn about that, you know. But uh, it was uh, like in my area, when you talked about that kind of stuff, people were like, oh, yeah, those guys are like, you know, you you never get there. You can't go to that. Like, those guys are they're special like they're the unicorns of the world and stuff like they put them on this pedestal and basically we're like yeah there's you know you hear all that kind of stuff like those guys you know they don't have to shoe as many horses as we do and you know they always tell you and yeah, like beat yeah. you down like what a waste of time you know and you can't you don't make a living making horseshoes and stuff and um you know i just thought a bunch of pussies but yeah I don't know. That's the way they talk. (laughs) (laughs) Like, these sound like excuses to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I thought, well, that's... So, when did you kind of put your mind to it that you were going to try to make the AFT? Um, Well, I was going to those WCBs, and uh, I had never done convention. And uh, my shoemaking, I really... It wasn't very good. Uh, it was improving, you know, but not the level like, man, I, I can remember the teams were like, it was like Billy Reed and Todd Walker and uh, Bill Poor and, uh, man, forgive me, I forget the fourth guy on that team, but it was just like, I was like, okay, wow, it might be a little while till I make that, you know, knock one of them boys off because they were just like, hey, you're getting it all the time. And, uh, you know, any of them guys, those top hands, and I just thought, <clears throat> man, that's, you know, let to get to the top 10 was going to be, if I could just make into the top 10 uh, uh, at a WCB, I thought, you know, I, I'm doing good. And, uh, you know, I was always like middle of the pack, mm-hmm. kind of just hanging on. And uh, I don't know what happened just one year, then, then all of a sudden I just, my shoes were better. And uh my shoeing was getting better and just things were starting to click and uh i was going to more more practices and i was trying to get out more and i was going to guys shops and uh you know everybody's you know you know how they are they're all willing to help you just 
you know, they, it was just such a good experience that way. Investing more time into it. Oh yeah. Like I just, well, I was frustrated. I was like, "Eh, why can I not be better? So then I try to dive into it. So after I did that, then, you know, and I was, I was starting to meet people. Like I met Lamar Weaver and we started, uh, palling around a little bit. We, we were shooting some accounts together and making shoes together and, you know, that, all that helped. And then, uh, Lamar, um, I got, I ended up getting married, met, met this girl and we ended up getting married and then having a kid. So I kind of withdrew a little bit from the competing and then, mm-hmm. uh, Lamar made the team and, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter. So she was, she was getting a couple years on her. Probably, she was probably around two or three. And, uh, my wife was kind of like, you know, I thought you were going to do that team thing. And I was like, yeah, I just, you know, I'll make excuses. I didn't, I don't have time, you know, too many horses. Those guys don't shoot horses. I was telling (laughs) you. Those guys don't got to work for a living. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, then she was like, well, you know, you're not going to get any younger. If you're going to do something like that, you got to get to it. So, uh, so then I put, put my mind to it and that's, I went to convention and I was fortunate to make the team. 17 so yeah that's i came crazy. close to making the wcb team i just didn't make it and uh you know uh, i just didn't and then uh ended up going and making the aft then shortly after who were you on the team with that year uh first year i was on was uh brian osborne Bodie, andrew wells and uh our alternate was joe nigren oh yeah yeah, yeah, I was pretty pumped. I was the second tallest on the team, so I was pretty pumped. <laughs> Above Andrew, <laughs> Andrew and Brian. Yeah, I, yeah, I looked Brian. down at him. You know, oh, he's the <laughs> second tallest. So Bodie was the tallest. Yeah, Bodie, <laughs> he won that. Yeah. So. God damn. <laughs> How was that first year going to Stonely? Oh man, I yeah. It was a little overwhelming for me. I was, you know, they they tell you and you got to be fast. You got to do this, you know. And I shouldn't say they yell at you to be fast, but like you you do you you know you make the least mistakes and uh, you know it was just a little overwhelming. You know the contest and everything. It was just a little. You're in this little room. They don't do it in there anymore. But the the forge was real small and you're kind of. You know, your horse is tied in these stanchions and their horse is tied in the stanchions and they have a bag of haylage there and you're trying to clinch a foot and you got hay coming down your back and your head's hitting the guy beside you's butt and you're trying, you know, it was just really overwhelming and everybody's flying around in there and uh, at least that's the way it felt to me. Um, you know, it's probably not, you know, the next couple of years I went, it wasn't that bad, but that first year it was, it was real overwhelming. When you got home from that first year, you were probably pretty ready to go do it again, though, huh? Yeah, I felt, uh, yeah, we did really well as a team, and uh, you know, yeah, it was it was really cool. It was really exciting. You know, we had practiced a lot and uh, got together a lot, so it was really exciting. And uh, yeah, pretty pumped up to come back. So I'm kind of curious about the couple years that you took off after your uh you got married and then your daughter was born what did you use to motivate yourself to get back into it and try to get back up to that level to make a like the american farriers team you know 
after taking so much time off like what did you do to I mentally still, prepare yourself for that yeah i was still making shoes and i would go to some local contests but i wouldn't uh you know i just wasn't hitting it like i had been so i still would practice i'd still be in my shop pretty often i would still go to hammerings i never really stopped doing it i would still uh, i would make a lot of shoes for horses um you know and i would yeah i just kind of i i just never really i didn't really go away from it i just wasn't going to the wcbs i wasn't traveling around like i had been i was just staying so closer you're still kind of staying on top of it you just weren't necessarily to a competition level i guess yeah i wasn't Practice. yeah i wasn't going to the bigger the bigger contests and uh you know those local contests I, I have a couple and they're still like my favorite contests to go to um and uh you know, I found yeah, the Pennsylvania one's just, pretty big, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yep, it's pretty big. And uh, there's one I like to go to down in Virginia called the Hot Augusta Contest. Oh, I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, it's like one of my favorites to go to. It's at a state fair, and, you know, it's just a good time. They have truck pools, and guys take their everyday trucks out there try to pull a sled, and, oh, it's just great. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> so <good> shit. <laughs> Demolition derbies. Yeah, it's a good time. Like combine derbies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That'd be sick. That'd be good. <laughs> so how many times were you on the AFT? I made it three years. One year I was the alternate, but I was on three years. Nice. And that was 2017 was the first year? 17 was the first year. 18, I was the alternate. And then I made it again in 19. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're the team manager. Yeah. Yeah. How do you get into a role like that? That's something I uh, wonder. It's kind of one of those deals where someone's got to do it. And uh, So you just said, like, yes, I'll uh, I'll do it. And then that position was available kind of, yeah i mean uh the president i mean hank hank asked me about doing it okay um, you know uh it it is one of those things like uh the the reason i did it and i believe in the system i believe in competing that it's educational and that you will be better for it and i believe in uh the whole system of it where you have to start down here and you work your way up and it's the goal to make the apprentice team. It's the goal to leave the apprentice team and push to make the next team. And I, so I, I full heartedly believe in all that. So I, I don't, I felt like I, that's my way I could give back is by filling a position that needed filled. No, it's something that I really wanted to talk to you about. Cause I think it's a cool deal is that, so you got to go to Stonely and be a competitor and have your firsthand experience of the, let's say, the old system, of mm-hmm. the old choosing system, how we had, <clears throat> for everybody that doesn't know, it used to be to make the AFT, you would go to convention. Conventions kind of has a weird scoring system on their classes in general, so it can kind of be confusing if you've never been to one and you're just looking at a scoreboard and you're like, well, how did that work out? How did this guy make the team? How did like, how did these guys make the live shoeing? It, it can be kind of confusing a little bit sometimes uh, from the outside, but 
the old system was you go to convention and then the team was decided from those people and it wasn't necessarily just the top four it was the top four people that also checked the box and that were eligible <clears throat> and so it left I, I, I can't say like because the teams went over there and you guys did good but we were still getting beat pretty regularly right mm-hmm. yeah and so now you guys have came up with a new system mm-hmm. yeah what's so that entail you, how did you guys come up with the new system and what does it entail now we were um so and correct me wherever story. i fucked up before no no you're, you're <laughs> dead on so uh you know, talking, uh, well, Brian and I, Brian Osborne and I, so Brian had an idea of, uh, <laughs> we use a lot of what we did in the Marine Corps. So Brian had this idea from the Marine Corps. So when you have, you have a unit take over for another unit, you don't just take one unit, take the whole unit out and put this whole new unit in to take something over. So you would remove half the unit. And then the unit coming in, half comes in. The unit mm-hmm. that's half that stayed behind, they train that unit. That's and so when they leave, now half of the new unit knows what's going on. And so the rest come, they can bring them up to speed. So you always so, have at least half yeah. of the crew as mentors. Yeah, they're, yeah. So, that yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it. And then so Brian came up with that idea. So we did that for a year or two. Uh, how did we that? Just, did, how did that up? Did, the, did you guys notice a big up in the team? Uh, it it was beneficial, but like everything, like that's what we're trying to figure out right now. What this happy medium is, and where we can get to um, pick a horseshoeing team off of horseshoeing, and um, while the convention is is a great tool and it does teach you a lot about shoemaking. Uh, time management and all that so we wanted to add in some horseshoeing and then so with that uh we were we were seeing that you know it gets a little confusing we we're trying to keep two guys on for two years and then they would leave and but the one team you know and then these two guys were hit they had one year on these guys would leave now they got another group they're staying on for two years. so it really wasn't jiving and it wasn't and then we were going to pick an alternate and uh it you know it at first, it, w- it was a good idea, but it really wasn't meshing with what goes on with the AFA. So uh, we needed to come up with another system. Well, the other thing in my mind was uh, I just thought about how Stonely is kind of a, you know, it's a different animal for us. And we're not really used to um, a lot of the time constraints that they would, that you would run into in the contest. And then I started looking at some of the shoe lists prize lists that they have for the contests in Europe and I was like you know they're they're doing some stuff pretty quick it's pretty advanced stuff like putting on roadsters and plane stamps on cobs in like an hour and ten like it's like damn shoeing a side of a horse you know and and like they'll shoe a side of a horse in concave and it's caulking wedge quarter clips behind you know in that (laughs) concave and they're doing it so I was like you know, maybe we should step our game up a little bit and crunch the times a little more. So that's where the time, time frames came up. And like, I didn't, all the, the whole time I have a committee, you know, that helps with the team and, and the whole time we're talking about, 
well brian and i talked about it a lot brian helped a lot with the planning of all this and uh so we we tried to structure it so it would be similar to stonely so you get to shoe four feet and make four specimens in two days which is a pretty good deal i think in a contest you know where you get to work out and you get to have a striker in every class and a fireman or whatever and uh you know we were just trying to get it to where um when you go to stonely or any of those shoeing contests the shoeing class is no longer you just you you engulf yourself with this shoeing class and so then whatever you you can just shoe a foot and You're how much ready steel do it. i need and yeah yeah so that was my mentality like, you know and it went back to thinking about wrestling like you know when you you wrestle a match in high school it's two 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 you shoot wrestle two three periods two minutes each so but when you practice you practice for two and a half hours you know you you're you just wearing yourself out to two and a half hours a day so i thought you know if you have four classes to do it in or you just engulf yourself with it and it just becomes easier doesn't Become. Normal, and really basically craig, yeah craig when he started at match play that that was a big eye opener you know you had to make a plain stamp shoe i don't remember the times now and i could be wrong about it but it was like you had to make like a three eighths three quarter plain stamp shoe and with a toe clip in 15 minutes and i was like oh my gosh like what yeah so uh and turns out it's doable so uh you know and it was just that you know craig said a lot of those all those standards really for the the contests we do around here and and how it yeah but like brings people along so I, I hate to throw like a wrench in it I, and i'm not like i i think the world of craig and the wcb but do you think that is a little bit of a product of what we are right now so like is just take for example like me i never got to compete in calgary where calgary had these really fast times and speed classes i mean right. i'm a i'm a little bit of a product of wcb I just, all I know is hour long classes. Sure. Uh, like that's the way my, my brain works. And so I, yeah. I think, I think you're right on that. Like we are just like, I think like it, this is the teach team trials are making us doing something that we haven't been doing currently. Yeah. I, well that, yeah, that's the idea. So we'll be, yeah, exactly. So we can push past that now and make it harder. So, so in Stanley, you get two hours to shoot two feet and make two specimens. So two guys uh, are doing that in two hours. So that's where the 60-minute class came up. And then you get an hour and a half okay. to shoot two feet and make two specimens in the plain stamp class. So that's where the 55-minute class came up. So it's tight. And it's you, yeah. And the other thing about it was is uh, I felt like because the times are tight, you can only do what you do. So whatever you're practicing is what show. you're going to do. And whatever you do is going to come out. And then you'll see, and you get a direct score from the judge. You can walk up to the judge and ask him what he thought. He will tell you where you're, where you're missing, where you're lacking. And now you have something to go home and work on to be able to meet that time and bring your level up. So... Uh, you know, you get too much time in a class, you get too little of a time and it's kind of like, it's just a mess. It's, it really isn't like an, yep. you know, a, a good representation of what you do. And then if it's too long, 
you can fiddle around, you can do this and do that, and you know, really hide some the efficiency. Shit. Yeah, you need to be efficient and and direct to it and make less mistakes. Like we all have to. It, so that no, it's great. It sounds like it's it's a pressure cooker. Yeah. It, it like is. It's gonna make things. It's gonna find leaks in your system pretty dang quick. Yeah, and you know it, it's funny too. The so we've done them now a couple of years, and the first one it was like guys were like, I don't know, man, this is gonna be a mess, and I don't think we can. And now you watch them, they just have it figured out, and they're like the class. They have systems, and they go through it, and boom. Like, I'm not saying it's a walk in the park, and it's not easy, but. You know, it, it's not the intensity that it was where they were like, I don't know, this is stupid, you know, so. It's, it's kind of becoming the norm. Yeah, like just or a something little more intensity, a little more, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, it's like you're saying, like with the match play deal, everybody was kind of freaking out when it first came out. And well, this yeah. last one was, I think it was like a roadster and the starting time was 10 minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's exactly. Really, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. crazy at this point. Like. <laughs> And how many yeah, uh, trials do you guys host a year then? We have two, two a year. So uh, you get points there to make the team. You can compete at the trials, though, without going for the team. You don't even have to be going for the team just to come out um, and compete. which Just to gain yeah. the experience, essentially, then, is what you're saying. You could come out and compete and yeah. practice. And if you look like the World Championships, they're going to be real similar. You know, with the time in the shooting classes, there's going to be 60 minutes. and Yeah. Um, so do you have to pay to uh, basically compete for the uh, trials to get on to the? Yeah. It's, uh, man, I'm not going to remember how much it is. I want to say it's 375 to enter. And then do yeah. your points at convention also contribute to that? Yeah. So you can get, uh, you get a max of 40 points at a team trial. If okay. you were to win all four classes. And then at convention, uh, we couldn't make them all the same because of the, what Riley was talking about earlier. There's just the a weird point system. system. And so I, uh, I want to say now there's 37 points I think you can get somewhere in that neighborhood at uh, convention if you were to get them all. So. so how are all the classes at convention, just for people that are maybe wondering, like, how are they scored? Because, like, isn't one of them double points and one it's like, triple points yeah. or something? Or how? <laughs> so, yeah. I'm still kind yeah. of confused. And if you get the lucky anvil, you get, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you get five extra points. Like, it's, That's right. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the, the journeyman class is single points. So they hand out uh, uh, five points for the top scoring guy. That's going for the team, and then it goes just down to one point. So, the top uh, five guys receive points, mm-hmm. and so that's what we say when we're saying single points, double points. The top guy would get ten points, and then it would go down to two. So, <clears throat> um, journeyman class, single points. Um, the uh, a specialty class is double points. The shoeing is double points. And I'm missing a class. Um, qualifier? Another single point. Which one? Is the qualifier? Uh, the qualifier, uh, I think we did make points at. So, yeah. So, be, what is that, 10? That's 30 points. Missing one more class. Because uh, I know there's another set of points in there somewhere. Um, no, that's right. So, shooting's double. 
specialties double, and then uh, journeyman and qualifier singles. Okay. Yeah. I kind oh, of in the draft. I'm sorry. You oh. get points in the draft, and that is. Um, do you? Yeah, you get points in the draft. Yep. And do the do the points in the draft count as a team or individuals? So you would get yeah. So if you and Gavin were are paired up, you're going for the team. Gavin's not. You you get the points. So. Oh, one. I get all the. I get all. Well, the you points? get the team points. You get the team points. Yeah. Oh, okay. So say so. Okay, me and Gavin are both signed up to be on the team, and say mm-hmm. we get third, and they so we would get. What is that? Three points. You get. Uh, or two points. Yeah, you would get. Yeah, you would get your. Yeah, you would split your points. Yeah. So yeah, if we were both points. going for the team, we would each get one. Mm-hmm. But if only one of us were going for the team, that no, one no, would no, get you two. would no, no, you would get no, you get your team points. Like yeah, for your placing. Oh, okay, oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. I was yeah. confused. I was like, that's nah, a yeah, kicker, sorry. man. You get a teammate that's not going for the team, and you get all the points. No, no. <laughs> you, just, you would get your points for that placing. Yeah. Okay. But, that but essentially, that the sense. way the draft shoe and wor- or the draft class works is you can't be on a team with somebody else that's been on a national team, right? But you could both be going for the team. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't. I think you can both be on a team. Had been on a team, but you just can't been on it together. Correct. No, you can't. You it's can't just national have two guys that have been on internationally recognized teams, which right now would be WCB or AFT. Yeah, or like yeah. somebody from the AFT can pair up with somebody from the English team or something like that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's and is that purely just so you don't have one team just kicking ass? Um. That is a rule that is debated almost every convention. Is it? So, there's. I would think, like, why not be able to just have the guys do as good as they can do? There's, there's, definitely different opinions on that rule. Um, one opinion, I won't do a great representing both sides because I'm kind of on one of the sides. But there <laughs> is people that believe that it is a great way to bring people up. So it is uh, really helping and, um, you know, it gets people to come out and do it that may not necessarily do it. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and because they have a guy that can mentor them, teach them and show them and help them in the class. And then there's uh, other guys that are like, it's an open competition. It's considered an, you know, a pretty high kick ass. competition. So we should be able to do it with whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's in a nutshell that's kind of the two arguments that is Definitely a hard a one, one because it is true because you do yeah. i don't think it's going to bring somebody to the competition that wasn't going to go otherwise right <clears throat> but it does get a guy like say let's just throw like mason moleski and mm-hmm. bodie like bodie probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have chose mason if that rule wasn't in effect sorry mason it's just probably a little bit of a fact of life i like you but mm-hmm. Bodie probably would have chose somebody that he'd be on a team with, but it gets him. I'm sure Mason was pretty happy for that rule at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a good example. And, and it isn't that Bodie wouldn't, Bodie wants to win. So if there's going to be other guys that are paired up with, 
you know, guys that have done it, then that's what he's going to do. So it really is just following the rule and, and that rule I would say is debated just about every, I'm on the rules committee too. And, uh, I say it comes up pretty often. Um, They're both valid points, you know. They are. What you yeah. brought up. Yeah, I mean, it. it yeah, you, you can try to argue it one way or the other, but they are both valid points, so <laughs> it's yeah, hard. Yeah, no, it is. It is a hard, but like, and there's not really a lot of room in the convention to create another class. Well, they are. They well, are this year. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> there is a uh, there's a class, and it's uh, it's going to be a free for all. Like uh, anybody can pair up for it, and it's going to be kind of its own animal. And um, there's going to be a pool of shoes, and uh, it's terrible. I'm I'm drawing a blank on all the rules on that too. But hey, guys, do you like that Christmas morning feel? of opening up a box, not knowing what's inside, feeling all sorts of excitement to find out what's inside? Well, let me tell you, you can feel that excitement every other month with a subscription to Farrier Box. Most farriers want to be competitive, whether it's attracting top-notch clients or winning contests. They take the tools and tricks of the trade used by today's top farriers and ship them to you so you have what you need to take your career to the next level. Go to farrierbox.com to start your subscription and use code BRAINS for 25% off your first month's box. I repeat, use code BRAINS for 25% off your first order. I know I like receiving packages, but I like it even more when it's a surprise, but also knowing I'm getting cool tools and tricks from Farrier Box. There's nothing out there like it in today's world of farriery. So you might as well go and level up with Farrier Box. Go to www.farrierbox.com and use code BRAINS for 25% off your first month's order. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the podcast. Oh, I, I think there's four shoes and they're going to pick two. And uh, um, Is it going to be yeah, like a two-man class a then? It's a two-man class, and there's going to be a pot of money. Um, is the way it's so it's set gonna be, up. It's completely and, like a jackpot. Yeah. No. And will though that class be added towards the AFT, or is it something totally different? Separate? No, it's just its own animal. Yep. Oh, it's nice. all by itself. It's kind of interesting. And so anybody can pair up. Oh, sweet. Hmm. And will it be like a really like a traditional class, like you're just making horseshoes? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cool. They'll be they'll be pretty. They'll be two man shoes for sure. So. Okay. okay. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what it is. Or yeah, yeah. no, that's pretty. In- that's interesting. Like the pool of shoes. Yeah. Now that's something that's always kind of like is hard is the pool of shoes. So like for mm-hmm. the specialty forging for the convention, you have twelve shoes you have to practice for. Correct. For the specialty? Yeah. No. Uh, six, right? Uh, six. Is yeah. it six? Okay. Yeah. It's And they are only going to choose two of them, correct? Three. Uh, three. Wait, man, three. I'm fucked. I'm way off on this shit. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, what is, like, I know that's been around for a while, but what is the main 
reason to have that still because it is like you're practicing and you're using up a bunch of steel and time on something that you may never ever do where you could be tuning up on the main three way more sure i i think it's for the exact thing that you said uh it is to make you practice a, a vast variety of them and then you have to be able to on the fly say okay this is how i'm going to run that class and this is what i'm going to do so even though yeah you may not have to make that shoe in competition but as we all know making shoes is never going to hurt you because you'll figure yeah. something out with that shoe and the next in two months you get a shoe down the road and you're like oh i can do that thing that i was doing on that one and this one and put it all together so i don't yeah you may never make it in contest but you'll make parts of it it'll mm-hmm. be it'll be a well like it's good to be doing it yeah i think no and i think that's a good point to it of it there you made of like it makes you put the class together on the fly yeah it's tough a little bit yeah and you gotta you know at home you know you're constantly you're taking those six shoes and you're just constantly moving them around and trying to you know see how to run this class well what if they pick those three and you got to try to you know sort that out too so you spend like a month or two just sorting the shoes out and once they're sorted out then you're just mixing matching and trying to figure it out and then you know uh we do our little quarter bet of which shoes are going to get drawn. I was just about to say, like, you can always have, like, that conversation with your partner you're practicing with, like, oh, I bet they're going to pick these three for sure. Oh, like, that's that's what oh. everybody's talking about the whole entire time. They're like, yeah, which ones we do you have, think they're yeah, going to pick? I hope it's not that fishtail and... bully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yep. <laughs> so, and then you you always get guys that are like oh i hope it's not that one let don't let them pick that one that's usually the first one they hold up oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) you'll hear one guy in the crowd like god damn it (laughs) you you know he didn't practice that one at all (laughs) or maybe once I'll just shoot from the hip, man. We're going to go every time. It's like, so, so uh, what are you doing there? <laughs> yeah. What's your offset on that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like, it's one of my favorite times of during a competition is like right before a go, everybody's like running around and like, man, hey, can you look at this real quick? It's like, yeah, <laughs> we pulled that on you on Roadster Day at the last classic. We were like, we were going to cut way too small a steel for our roadster horse. And you were like, let me finish this like blank and put it up there. Let's see what we're looking at. It's like saved our bacon on that one for sure. So you're on a a pretty kick-ass team right now. You guys put together and you guys have to go to the classic. So it's you, Adam Farr, the old Dreamweaver Lamar. And yeah. Sawyer Sprawling. Yeah. Yep. Um, oh, man. It was just, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. We get together and practice. And, uh, yeah, we just, a couple of guys that we just wanted to have some fun shooing and uh, get back to the contests. And the team contests are great. You know, you guys know that. It's oh, just, yeah. It's just a blast. So It's almost yeah. more fun yeah. than individually competing, you know. Oh, yeah definitely i do think so i would i would go out on a limb and say it that i'm like i I like the team ones more than i like the individual ones yeah yeah i mean it's like they both have their place and yeah it's just 
it's just a, it was just a lot of fun you know the whole mm-hmm. time we put that team together and you know uh yeah got to go to texas in practice we went to adams in practice um lamar and i met up a good many times at uh andrew nielsen's making shoes and yeah he, how far do you live ha- from lamar Oh, it keeps changing because he keeps moving. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I think now we're probably like three hours, maybe. That's not so hours. bad. And you're not too no. far from Andrews, are you? No, that's a, it's kind of like the midway point. So, oh, sweet. You know, uh, yes, yeah, so that's why we would meet there, and plus get to, you know, see Andrew. He's yeah, he's no slouch, and, and uh, <laughs> he's real handy. He has a good eye, so he's yeah, good. Well, another question I kind of have is uh, if somebody's interested or listening, like how would they go about getting on the apprentice team now? Um, So um, right now, this year, the apprentice team, you would uh, sign up at convention or when you call in to sign up, you just tell them that you want to go for the team. And then there'll be a form to fill out at the meeting uh, the night before the contest. Um, We do have... No, nothing's settled yet, but next year may be a little bit different selection process. We may add them into their own contest at one of the team trials. Oh, nice! And, um, so that they can now grab is it going to be? There. Are they going to have to do all three of the team trials, or are um, both team trials in convention? I mean, uh, no. If right now the talk is so, we don't have anything finalized, but we're going to do a push to try to get them involved at, at one of the team trials to nice. get exposure, have a similar contest set up that they'll have to do when they go to England. And, mm-hmm. uh, like a little bit of a, it won't be exactly the same because they run a, a, a team class over there. So obviously you're competing at trials. It won't be able to be mimicked exactly, but we're going to do something along those lines to try to get them involved so they can, uh, get some exposure to that. Are there any limitations to somebody that's wanting to get on there? Like, you can't be a journeyman or... Yeah, can't be a journeyman. You can't be over 25. Okay, yeah. Over 25. Because I remember when I did the uh, apprentice team with Craig in, like, 2016, you know, we had Clint Woods on and Jack Craddock, and they were 30-plus or whatever, and, you know, Clint was almost old enough to be my dad, and they were kind of bitching about that. Like, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean... The idea is they be an apprentice or in that. So um, Brian actually came up with a lot of those parameters when he was managing. And, uh, you know, I, I really think it's a good thing. And he, I was just at a, uh, the apprentice team had a practice over the weekend and I was just at it. And, um, you know, it, it really is a nice group of guys. They're uh, hungry and, you know, it's, it's really cool to work with them. Because, well, you know, that apprentice team, I mean, uh, WCB does it and we need to do it more is we're, we're grooming them. We're like, we want them to start stepping up and, and working up through this process and start going into. So if we can head off a lot of the, uh, what do you, like the, the pitfalls of uh, and, and mistakes that they're going to make, if we can start heading that off before they ever start getting into making them. And that's kind of what we're trying to do with the apprentice team is is uh, start channeling them in a, in a create good habits on top of them a little more yeah yeah create good habits. 
Nope. Yeah, because they're still pretty pretty young competitors. Like even like not mm-hmm. even just age wise, they're like just experience wise. It seems like most of them right yes. now are pretty young, just to the competition world and life in yep. general. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and it yeah, like I say that, it was really uh, it was really fun. It was really great that practice that just went on over the weekend, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more stuff with those guys. It's gonna be good. Yeah, that's pretty sweet that we have something like that now, mm-hmm. where you guys are actually putting yeah. together practices and you know. Yeah, we're, you know, it's one of those things where we're, you know, we're just trying to figure out the best way or a better way, and uh, not that the other way wasn't good. It just needed to, you know, things have to change. Everybody yeah. else is changing. Uh, the contests are getting better. The pe- the the level of competition is better. So we need to go up with it and not just yeah. sit there and be like well i remember when you know so it's just not you ain't gonna get no better unless anymore. you just get out there and do it and that's put forth it. the effort yeah otherwise we're just the um we're just you know handing out trophies to everybody water. so yeah sitting around talking about it but we got to get out there and do it mm-hmm. yeah because i i know like my first year i went to convention there was i don't think there was an intermediate class at all and so Probably it was not. like if you yeah. were going to convention, it was just you had to enter the open and just go on into yeah. it. So it yeah. is pretty cool now that there is a an entrance that doesn't seem like yeah. such a big step. There's a little bit of yeah. like a stepping stool to get inside, get up on top of the canopy, you know, so to say. But like, no, I think that is a great a great deal. Who is on the apprentice team right now? It's uh, Justin Daly. Um, Seamus Mangan, it's, uh, Ty Zeems and, uh, um, Wesley Auker. Hmm. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yep. Oh, good luck to those guys completely. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about on your classic horse, you got best shod foot for the draft yeah. day and mm. If people didn't see the pictures, and I'm sure, I don't know, they probably definitely didn't see the beginning. You drew a three-leaf clover of a hind yeah. foot. Yeah. Like, that horse had <laughs> had no there. foot. Like, he had yeah. some toe and some heel on that dang thing. What, yep. had you practiced for that situation at all? No. No. <laughs> no. Uh I would love to take all the credit for it, but really it was just us in a huddle like, like, uh, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then uh, they were like, no, you can't do that. So then we were like trying to figure out like where what Lamar were you and do I looked first? at uh, leave. I was going to head down and get some beer and barbecue. <laughs> I was like, well, we tried, you know. <laughs> Might as well yeah. quit while we're ahead, boys. Yeah. I, uh, well, we were, you know, it's, it's a horse ring contest cause, so you can never know what they're going to walk in there, you know, you go to <laughs> yeah. a new client, you just don't know. But, mm-hmm. uh, when I picked up the foot, um, Lamar and I, well, Lamar went and looked at the feet and he came back. I said, how is it? And he goes, uh, it's not great. It's not great. <laughs> and so, uh, I thought, okay. Um, so whenever Lamar, I pick my foot up, people haven't talked to Lamar very much. Like if Lamar says anything, it's not good. <laughs> <You're> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, said, 
I picked that foot up. I was like, I, I'll be darned. He he was right. That's not great. And uh, there's, so really, I mean, there was just there was just a little bit of hoof fall that you could see here, and then some hoof fall over here where there was flare, and it had those false quarters, and that was just gone. So I was like, well, we're gonna have to put nails here and here. That's all we got. And Lamar was like, okay. And so it really. Then we were trying to figure out like. Do we have to traditionally fuller? Do we have to fuller it the way? And then Chad and, and Jukes talked, and they said, "No, it just has to have fuller and on it." So, okay. like the heels are these fish hooks, mm -hmm. you know. So, kind of want like you know a wide section back there. So then I said to Lamar, "We should reverse fuller it so we can blow out the checks." And then Lamar was like, "Yeah, yeah." And I said, "I don't, you know, as far back as we wanted to punch." I said, and "Plus, we'll be able to fuller deeper." To get our nails in because i don't think if we'd have traditionally fuller it we got it looked plain stamped you know yeah, into the foreground so uh yeah that's how that came and then i i, I took a measurement i told lamar what i was going to cut and he was like hmm, that won't work don't do that <laughs> uh because we weren't going to do all the fuller and so then he added in and figured out how much we should cut and then he was he was right again so, so were you initially uh, going to cut too much or no, I was gonna cut less. Too little because yeah, you weren't gonna fold yeah. that much. Yeah. I was gonna you cut too little. A bunch. Well, because yeah. you had to even like, it was a, the shoe like I was wondering how you guys came up with the fullering in the back half because it looked sexy. Yeah. Like I remember, like I I like I walked away for a little bit. And I came back around the corner and I saw you pull your shoe out and you were like just shaping up. I was like, oh, that's badass. I like it was at the point where like I hope we draw one like that. I don't even want to. I want to do that. That looks <laughs> cool as shit. Really, I'm glad it looked good because the whole time we were like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know if this is gonna get done. But, uh, but you then, had like, like a wide toe and then drawn up where the yeah. nails would usually be. Yeah. And then fat back where you had your fullering. Like it, <clears throat> man. When they say appropriate section that that's what that looked like to me it was like that was very appropriate yeah but i mean like i say just us just talking about it and it just came together so it was a you know it, was, it went good that day <laughs> yeah well, yeah i also yeah. heard him talk uh, a few years ago didn't you shoe that same exact foot yeah um i didn't realize that and uh i don't remember someone came by and and brought that up I thought it was Jukes and, uh, that posted it. He did post it, but while we were at the contest, I think it might have been Craig that said to me, I think you shod oh. this horse before. Uh, and uh, and I I, at first I didn't remember it, and then he said it was at that Danny Ward Memorial, and then it came back to me. I was like, oh, yeah, mm. I remember that. I didn't – the horse was – I don't remember. He was young when we did him at Danny Ward's, and it might have been his first set of shoes. Oh. and uh he had those false quarters then too <laughs> yeah. and uh you know it was just ugly and yeah we had to do some creative nail placement that then. time as well but uh yeah now he's a lot bigger and uh feeder same it's just crazy so odds. do you think <laughs> like that's that's really experience is the only thing that can pull you out in that situation yeah if, yeah like the 
Yeah, like I knew that if I went and punched those nails back there, they'd been plain stamped, and we needed to get width. So we, you know, you double fuller things to try to get width, or you put your stop at the end so you get width. And I mean, that's just yeah, stuff that has happened through the years. And then Lamar had enough good sense to know that we needed more steel than what we were actually measuring, or or we'd have been small and it wouldn't have looked good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, so it just yeah, it was just group effort of uh, experience. That's why the team's really fun and cool and, um, you know, everybody, like, we can just have goes and, and everybody's been on teams. They kind of know what to do and, uh, you know, get in too many way. And then we just kind of select the guy that's going to be in charge. And for us, that was Lamar. He would look at everybody's trims and, you know, he would kind of holler out. And if he couldn't come look at your trim, he'd send somebody. And that's, we just let you know every question goes to lamar and if lamar's in the middle of something he delegates for someone else to deal with it so that's just how we did it for that whole contest that is a super interesting like makes a lot of sense that's how like like that's how big businesses run that's how militaries run it's always mm-hmm. run but it, that isn't very normal in team competitions though is it uh it it cannot be. That's why. That's why we wanted to do this team together because we get along, we have fun, and you know we don't. Uh, you know it, it. It's fine. Like, we we so we had okay. We had our first practice, and we thought, all right. So here's how we're gonna run it. You know we're gonna. We're going to have Sawyer. He's going to be our Jack Russell. He'd just go ahead and, you know, keep throwing the ball for him. He's going to run around and get his shoe on. And, and then Adam's going to come in there and, uh, you know, he'll he'll run second. And Lamar's going to be third. And then I'm going to, I'm going to come up at the end. And we ran several goes like that. And then what we figured out was it was way better. We had Lamar still checking everybody's trims. But then being in the third hole, it kind of started messing up with the whole uh, like Lamar's now pulling off the anvil a bunch to go look at everybody's stuff. And so he's not, he's getting behind. So then I'm creeping up on Lamar and then, then because he's losing time, you know, so we started figuring out that this whole system was, was kind of bunching us up and it was actually making things more difficult. So then, uh, we were, uh, Jukes, Jukes actually, you know, he, he's, he's actually a guy on the team with us, but he was judging. So, uh, that's how Sawyer got in there with us. Um, and Jukes was like, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think you should go last Travis. I think actually we need to put Lamar at the anchor and you go third and, you know, and so we ran a go like that much smoother and it was a lot easier. Lamar could get the spots he needed to go and he was able to oversee a lot more stuff and, and get it to, uh, the level that we wanted to be at. So, um, so we just, you know, made that change and, and nobody cared and uh yeah it was super simple and that's why we that's why we enjoy being on the team together it's just super simple we just want to do good so whatever whatever it takes do you foresee yourselves doing it again next year oh yeah we're already talking about what contests we could go to and what we're going to do and yeah as a how we're going to do it yeah we'll probably even get together throughout the summer and just practice together. If nothing else, just make some shoes and, you know, shoe, get horses in and just shoe horses. 
get some heavies and whatever. Yeah. How long do you foresee yourself um, being in the role you are with the American Farriers team as the manager? Hmm. I don't know. I <clears throat> Usually every year, every couple months, I'm like, hey, uh, does anybody want to be the American Farriers team manager? And everybody's kind of like, so <laughs> scatters. Yeah. I'll find somebody here soon. I don't know. I don't have a great answer for that. I just, uh, do you think that you know, would change? Like, do you want to try to compete to get on the American Farriers team again? Um, I would never say no. Yeah. You know, I would like to do any of it. It's just what, like, it's my, it's what I enjoy. It's what I like to do. Of course. Um, you know, so, yeah, I would, I would love to go back and do it. And, but, uh, you know, at this point, probably the better spot for me is where I'm at. And, uh, I would like to be selfish and not, and walk away and then go just do play with my own little stuff and, you know, go to contests and have fun. But, uh, you know, right now I just have this role and I don't know, um, maybe, a little bit more time, and then I'll feel like I've done enough, and someone else can do it. You couldn't do necessarily you uh, some... be a team member okay. and the manager at the same time, could you? Or no? Um, probably could. I don't. I don't know. Um, Nothing necessarily in the rules it... saying one way or the other. I don't think so. I just think it would be pretty hectic, and like, you know, it. You're kind of like the travel manager, and like you're yeah. you're 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 trying to juggle a lot of stuff and um i don't know i think it would be pretty hectic it would be better for you know someone to do it that that would be able to focus on that yeah definitely do you have some goals that you want to hit as team manager um i would like to get the sis the the selection process uh more sorted out um we may make some changes um to way we're doing it just you know tweak it here tweak it there see if we can't make it more user-friendly and more beneficial and just keep the process um but fine-tune it so yeah mm -hmm. i would like to i would like to make it a better process and and uh you know just keep elevating our level of competition and and uh you know uh, the team's ability so that would be pretty dang sweet to be able to you know have a hand in that and you know be the process that's used essentially mm -hmm. but a uh, question that we like to ask our guests is who is four people we call it the mount rushmore four people that you look up to and respect and basically holding in high regard it can either be shoeing related or family related or something totally oh wow other. well i mean definitely my parents uh beyond that both of them and then uh you know they're hard working give me a, a great childhood growing up and everything and uh you know always there when i need help and then uh you know my wife and kids they're always there you know, support me, um, man, horseshoers, I, there's just so many of them, um, it's crazy, you know, that, 
well dennis dowd the guy that helped me get into horseshoeing you know he's just such a helpful guy and um you know he, he'd definitely be on there uh guys that i was around the beginning that would really you know all those guys man like reuben and elmer and phil bauer uh man uh, mark milster you know i always looked up to him he was always real uh really cool at the contests or you know he judged he was judging a lot of stuff when i was when i was first competing so i got to be around him a bit um mike wharton would be on there um yeah craig craig you know starting at wcb and and devoting all his time to that his whole family um you know christine Bodie, levi all those guys it's they've it's made hard the you just keep i could just keep going on yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's hard to pinpoint some down yeah for sure well man i appreciate very much taking your time like it's it's eight it's 8 p.m here in oregon where i am and so you're three hours ahead of us so it is 11 <laughs> o'clock your yeah. time and like man craig says it all the time none of us are sponsored horseshoers we all are just fucking doing this on our own time and dime and so yeah. i appreciate it immensely trap because we ain't paying you either so we're just, <laughs> like, but I'm, I'm really happy that some people could hear your story and get to know you better and know what you're doing for us in our trade yeah we appreciate, um, appreciate it. it yeah thanks guys appreciate thank you it. travis and thank you everybody for listening yeah thank you travis okay. Thank you.